This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, it's Wednesday, which means one thing. It's betting weekly game bet match. The tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Every Wednesday, I'm joined by former American number one men's tennis player, James Blake. He wasn't here last week. He was dancing away to uh, Bruno Mars uh, over in Vegas. And the weather wasn't too good, James. We had terrible weather, but the concert was great. The concert was great, and luckily he takes your phones beforehand, so there's no video of me dancing the night away. So <laughs> no, no one can see that, and it, and it didn't end up posted anywhere. <laughs> ah, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a Bruno Mars fan myself, actually. I, I like a bit of Bruno. I like a little. I, 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 I need a few, uh, few, few alcoholic beverages in me to get the moves going. But uh, once <laughs> they get going, they're, they're never stopping. They're not stopping. <laughs> they're not stopping. Uh, the last uh, time I was in Vegas, I went to see Usher. And uh, I, I was I was dancing the night away, and it shows my age. I, next day, I, could, I had a bad back, bad legs. Yeah. I couldn't walk for two days. But yeah, uh, if you're trying to imitate Usher, I think we'd all we'd all have a bad back because he's he has some pretty impressive moves as well. He had the moves on roller skates as well. I didn't I didn't have wow. the roller skates on roller skates. It was it was the first part of the show was done on roller skates, and he still had the moves on the roller skates. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about our concerts. It's about the tennis. We're talking, we're coming on yeah. here, and anyone who follows us, we're looking about the tennis, and we're looking ahead to, to the talking points on the big talking points this week in the tennis world. And obviously, myself and James spoke uh, a few weeks back now, maybe three weeks ago now, and I raised the question: uh, Is Igor Sviontek the women's number one tennis player? Is she someone to fade this year, given her performances in the in the exhibition events in Dubai? She was beaten comprehensively by Jess Pegula. She went over to uh, to the Australian Open and she was beat by Rubikina. Uh, and we had thoughts that Igor Svontek perhaps needs to make some changes to her game and, and to come back a little bit stronger. Well, how wrong was I? She's absolutely <laughs> on fire. She won last week in Doha in Qatar with losing just five games against three unbelievably talented players, uh, Daniel yeah. Collins, Kudamatova, and Jess Pegula in the final. And she's continuing that form this week in Dubai. Absolutely unbelievable and unplayable at the moment. James, you said about some of the changes she's made, you thought she should make to her game. Do you see what you've seen in, in this recent run? Have you seen her implement them changes? And, you know, and, and, and can anyone beat on this current form? Yeah, well, it doesn't look like anyone can beat her the way she played last week. And we'll see if she does continue that. And I think that's the big thing for her is when it gets into these slams, is the pressure going to get to her? Is it going to be too much? Um, whether she's got it mentally. And she's showing right now, and she has shown the last year or so, that it seems like she has it. It's just a matter of continuing to do the same things and continuing to be that dominant. And um, I think um for her the slower the court generally the better chance she has you know we saw her stumble a little um at Wimbledon last year on the the, the slightly faster grass courts and uh getting used to that movement but on a slow hard court um man she looks absolutely dominant and um 
It, it's it's tough. I, I think um, you've talked about her not getting her due sometimes, and I think it's it's kind of like following up uh, after a legend. You know, in in the states, you follow uh, the Hall of Fame quarterback, and you know, it, what are you going to do? You know, you, you almost get forgotten because it's all the nostalgia. And right now, there's tons of nostalgia for Serena Williams um, not being there. So it's you're not looking for someone to replace Serena Williams. Ega's uh, kind of carving her own path. Um, but she's doing it at a very high level right now. And as you said, there's some very talented people. She beat, you know, Kudermatova is a, a real hard hitter. And you got a little bit of a contrast in style there. Kudermatova, really hard hitter. Bagula makes a ton of balls, makes you beat her, uh, moves really well, does, plays smart tennis. So um, for her to pretty much dominate uh, very different players, but both at a real high level, um, she's showing that she's um, she's ready to to handle the pressures of being number one in the world. Um, it's now just a matter of her executing that in the slams and continuing to, to add to her legacy in that way. When you, um, you, you said, you said, um, last week about the changes, the last time we spoke about it, about the changes you've made for somebody who's new to tennis, who's watching Iga Sviantec, you would watch her and you would think she's good at everything, but she hasn't got that huge serve. She plays a lot of slice. She plays a lot of spin. Um, what sets her apart from anybody? Because when you actually look at her, you think there's other players who are much more talented who've got bigger weapons. But what 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 sets her aside from from all the other women in the women's game at the at this current time? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things for her is um, she's able to turn defense to offense. She, she's got great movement, um, so that's one of the she's one of the top movers in the game. Um, and I think one of the biggest things for uh, players is being able to move and using it the right way. Um, and for her, she's able to turn her defense into offense so quickly. And I think some of the better movers sometimes don't, uh, aren't able to use that uh, movement for offense. She does. She gets herself in a position to rip her next shot after she's playing defense. Um, and I think that's something that uh, someone that hasn't watched a lot of tennis could really learn from because that's not an easy task. That's not an easy, it's not as, as natural. I don't think for a lot of people, I think people are either naturally aggressive or naturally a little passive and playing defensive. And for her, she has to turn that defense into offense. And to do that is not that easy to not that easy. And she's great at it. Yeah, I mean she she went on an absolute burner, didn't she, last year in, in after Doha. She won five, I think six tournaments on the bow. She won Indian Wells, Miami, Stuttgart, Rome, and then Roland Garros. And the only the game she lost after Doha was at Wimbledon, uh, where she was beat by Alicia Cornet in a in a shot result. Um you would, you would you you probably think that she could probably do the same again. And the one thing I did say to you off air, I mean, when you sort of touched it slightly there, she doesn't get the credit, really. I don't think she does because however much the women's game is competitive at the moment, it is. Anyone, the women in top 60 can beat a player ranked number three. We saw today Belinda Bencic get beat by um, Mukova, who's come back from injury. She's ranked 120 odd in the world now, but she's a lot better player than that, obviously. But women can beat, players from anywhere because it's, it's competitive in depth but the quality at the top isn't as there as it has been in year, years before I mean you've got you've had the greats like Serena Williams Steffi Graf Monica Shellish you know you've had Justine Henning you've had you know there's the list of players that have dominated the women's game is, is endless can do, do you think that she could go down she's only 21 years of age do you think she can go down in years to come as one of the greatest women tennis players to play? Or does she need, you know, Chris Everett, Navratilova, Serena Winners has Sharapova? Does she need Sabalenka to come on and make the two of them, like, or, or Jess Pegger to come on that level to make them the better players and the legacy that they're going to have behind them? You know, I don't think 
she'll need that foil the way that some others did. Um, I think she just needs to put up the results. I think she needs to to win slams. And I think that's become so much more of an indicator of people, uh, of players' legacies. Uh, you see it with the, the race on the men's side to 20, 21, 22 um, grand slam titles. And for her, I think she's got, she doesn't have, you're right. She doesn't have a, a one, two uh, that, that heated rivalry that's that's there where they're going back and forth. The Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett, I don't know if we'll ever see a, a rivalry as great as that one, but um, she doesn't have that. But I think if she continues to dominate the way she has been for the last year, year and a half, and like you said, she's only 21 years old. If she can, I mean, if she puts together just one slam a year for, which, I mean, I say just, but that's obviously incredible for anyone to win any slams, but just one slam a year for eight or nine uh, more years, she will absolutely go down as one of the greatest of all time. But the way she's playing right now, she could collect two or three in a year um, and and really put together a dominant time frame, a dominant period, say it's three or four years. And then let's say maybe someone new comes on and start, kind of knocks her off the, that perch. She's still going to go down as one of the greats. So um, it's just a matter of execution and not um, not handling the pressure in a negative way, not getting um, – not getting sort of caught up in that and, and start going downward um, in that case. The, but 21 years old, she looks to still be improving. Um, if that's the case, I, I don't see any reason why she can't be one of the greats um, unless there's something um, uh, mental that comes in. But the way her, her talent's looking, I think she can go down as one of the greats. And I don't think she needs a, I don't think she needs a, a one, two to, to say that she's, she's one of the greats. I think beating this field, like you said, there's depth. So each time she gets through seven matches in a Grand Slam, um, she's beating generally seven very good players. You know, maybe not the first couple rounds, but she's beating a lot of top players. It's the same as she did. I mean, she dominated that event in Doha and she beat uh, a Grand Slam finalist in Collins, um, a top 10, uh, a former top 10 player in Kudermatova and a top three in the world player in Pagula. So she's not, she's not beating scrubs. She's beating really great players. And um, even though they aren't grand slam champions, that's, you know, the same case has happened with Novak and Roger and Rafa. It's anyone outside of them doesn't have the same kind of resume. So you're, you're, you're not competing with someone that's got that, um, that, that prestige that you, you may expect, but that's because the, the type, the big titles are being taken by just so few people. Yeah, I mean, you say she's dominant. I'll give you some stats on her. I mean, every game she goes into now, she's about minus $6 favourite against even Jess Pegler or even number two. She's a very heavy favourite. In her matches regularly, she's about minus 1,400 to win a match. That shows you how dominant she is at the moment. But I was looking through her record, and when she went on the run from Doha through to Roland Garros, she played 39 matches and won them all, 39 matches. 15 sets, majority of them were two sets of love, but 15 of those 39 sets, she won six love. This year already, she's played 13 matches and she's won five sets, six love. Now, again, majority of them are straight sets matches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you can't, you're not getting decent betting odds for her to win the match. But perhaps if you get a prop on her to win a set, six love, you might get some decent odds because she's winning. It's, it's, yeah. it's incredible how many sets she's actually winning. It's it, to, to, to love uh, against the lesser yeah. opponent. She's absolutely not only beating them, but she's absolutely smashing them. Um, it was very similar to when, um, I think I think I think I might have touched on YouTube before when when sports betting really first started taking off in the in the UK back in the nineties when you were playing that they, they, they would hit, you would have Roger Federer playing and you would have say for example Andre Agassi playing or Pete Sampras sorry playing and Andre Agassi playing they would both be minus ten dollars to win a match mm-hmm. but the handicap would be the same 
So the handicap in the first round at Wimbledon would be seven and a half games or something like that. Pete mm. Sampras used to win every rep match, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. He gets a 4-4, yep. raise the game, break the guy, whereas Agus used to win 6-1, 6-love, 6-3. Yeah. yeah, Different styles of players. Definitely different styles. And Iga has that dominant personality, and she's got that she's got that mindset, um, which is great. Um, and you just hope it can continue. I mean, I remember when Rafa was early on in his career, everyone, oh, you know, the, as intense as he is for so long, he can't keep that up. Well, look at everyone that said that now. I'll be the first to admit that I was one of those people that said he he can't be he can't be like this when he's 30 years old. He won't he won't last. And I I'll fully admit I was wrong. So with Iga, I think a lot of people could say that. Like, you know what, she can't just continue playing this dominant, this physical, this intensity, um, and still be successful for 10, 12, 15 years. Um, but let's wait and see. I mean, I don't want to say that because I was clearly wrong about Rafa. Um, so if she can do that, well, then, yeah, she's going to win a lot of set six love. She's going to win a lot of matches, two and one, one and one, and and, and be pretty dominant. Um, but let's just see if, if she can continue that because uh, conventional wisdom, especially, you know, outdated for how long, it, you know, it was where it seemed like that didn't seem possible for so long. But maybe she has that special, um, really unique ability like Rafa does. I mean, she's looked up to him for for so long, and, and maybe that's a reason why, because she knows that she's got that same mindset. Yeah, I agree with everything you say. The only thing that I probably disagree with what you say is that uh, you said that Iga Schrontek was the best mover in tennis. Well, I'm waiting, to see, I'm waiting to see some videos from yourself at the Bruno Mars concert before I uh, <laughs> before 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 I can uh, comment on that. If anyone's got any Bruno Mars footage of James Blake dancing the way to. Uh, want to be a billionaire let me know we'll see (laughs) (laughs) let's move on to the men's and it was a comeback uh, from Carlos Alcaraz he missed obviously the Australian Open the US Open champion missed the Australian Open which very disappointed for the young Spaniard and he come back last week in Argentina and he come back in fine fettle he won all four of his games only dropped one set looked really really good Admittedly, it was a, it was a, it wasn't the greatest of fields. I mean, you know, he played Cam Norrie in the final. They were the number one, and I think Norrie was the number two or number three seed. But it wasn't a great field. But he only had to beat the players he did. He's come back from injury. Uh, what did you make of uh, Carlos Alcaraz's return to uh, tennis last week? Great to see. First of all, I mean, you want to see the best players out there. You don't want to see them injured um, and uh, more comfortable moving on the clay. And he looked um, he looked solid. Uh, but like you said, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the Grand Slam type of event where you're going to see him really pushed. Uh, I think this week, um, slightly better draw, but still not um, not the same there in Rio. Um, it, it, now it'll be interesting to see how's the fitness because you just went through one uh, event. Now you're going to go two in a row. Are you able to sustain that? Are you going to hit a wall at some point because you haven't had the same kind of match uh, preparation? Um, but for me, it's also going to be really important once he gets on the hard courts to see how he's moving, to see how that hamstring is, uh, when he's moving on the hard courts, cause he moves so violently similar to Rafa when Rafa was young, he moves so violently. Um, he's got such great footwork, but it's, um, it's, it's pretty harsh the, with the, the guys getting faster, um, and stronger, um, those cuts and movements are pretty violent and there, there's some serious, um, some serious torque involved when you're, when you're making those turns and cuts. So for him, I want to see how he does um, on on the hard courts when he's really got to stop and and kind of stop on a dime and turn and go the other ways. And if that's comfortable on on the hamstring, then hey, all systems go and he's back to to being that guy that's competing for number one in the world. 
Yeah, I think there's some really big question marks around uh, Carlos Alcaraz, and I think the points you made there are, are certain. I mean, the field this week in Rio is very, very similar to the field that he beat comparatively yeah. last week. So you would expect him to win that. He's minus money favourite to win it, which is no surprise at all. But what may be a surprise to people is that there's been a lot of support for Carlos Alcaraz to win the French Open with Bet Rivers in the last since he won last week. Now, there is a thing with betting. There's a big overreaction. You know, betters watch things and think, oh, he's going to win. It. But they, they, oh, he's back to his best. He's back to his best. But it's all about value. Now, Carlos Alcaraz is $2 to win the French Open behind Novak Djokovic. She was currently plus 175. We don't know what state Rafa now that is going to be in, but Rafa is obviously the king of clay and the man who wins so, so many titles at the French Open. He's plus 350. A friend of mine messaged me and said to me, this Alcaraz is going to win the French Open and he was taking plus 175. I said, you've got to be mad. I mean, the, the, the guy is exactly your point. He's come back from injury. We don't know what he's going yeah. to be like after some really, after the American two, you know, Miami, he's got Indian Wells, two really, really big tournaments. And, you know, I, I just feel that we the market's a little bit carried away from a tournament that isn't that great. And if he got to the final and he played, or he got to the semi-final, quarter-final, whatever, and he was drawn against Rafa, he wouldn't be favoured to beat Rafa, I don't think. I think Rafa would be favourite to beat him. Yeah, I mean, two things. One, I think your friend can get out on a semantics because <laughs> if he said Carlos Alcaraz is going to win the French Open, I agree. I don't necessarily agree this year. Um, yeah, yeah, will, yeah, I think he will win the French Open at some point. So if there's a bet out there where you can say, is Kyler Zalkaraz going to win? At some point, I agree. But this year, no. And I said it last year. I said it the year before. I think I said it the year before. Until proven wrong, I'm taking Rafa. Um, and I know he's going to come in with a ton of question marks this year. Um, so I don't know what that betting line will look like between now and then. But you're right. If Alcaraz played Rafa in the semis and we saw Rafa, if we see Rafa get to the semis, um, even if he's not 100 percent, but he's close to 100 percent, he's in the semis of the French Open. And I, I got to take him. And so he would be the favorite over over Alcaraz, I think, if they were to play right now um, or, or, you know, with Rafa healthy um, on that clay. And we just got to see because, yeah, so to say Alcaraz this early before we know that hamstring is totally fine against real top competition after playing on the hard courts um, in the States. And then there's the fact that Novak has I mean, Novak looked like the far and away dominant number one in the world during Australia. He's not, it's not like he's a slouch on clay. He's no. just happened to run into the absolute king of clay, the greatest clay quarter of all time. And Rafa so many times at the French open to not win that. Um, but uh, I mean, I definitely would, would struggle to say Alcaraz is going to win it this year. A lot can change between now and then, but I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with your friend if he, if he no. specified 2023. <laughs> it looks a public play, doesn't it? It just looks a public play. We've watched yeah, Alcaraz and- win last week and, yeah, you said it yourself. It's there's an overreaction. It happens yeah. a lot with people. Recency bias. You see someone play well one day, you think they're going to play that well the next day, and that's not the way. <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, sometimes that's not the way. Um, the way tennis works. I think as well with this you uh, sorry this French Open as well. I know we months away. I think the draw is so important as well. Mm-hmm. You could you know we don't know Djokovic could be people could be number one. Alcaraz could be number three. They could be drawn in the same section. We don't even know where Nadal is. You could have all three of those in one section of one draw. So I think to, to talk about having a bet on that now, unless it's like a hundred to one outsider, you want to have a yeah. cheeky wager. We you can't bet the three market favorites without no. seeing the draw and where they are because the seeding is going to be crucial. 
Yeah, and it could change so much in that time, and then and then wait to see how. I mean, you could even possibly wait to see how Rafa does in a, in his first round, see if he's if he's at all healthy or if he if he really does look hampered. Before we move on to this week, we're just going to finish up um, the last week's review. Big week we've, we've mentioned about American tennis doing well, both in the men's and the women's, and it was a good week for Taylor Fritz. Won Delray Beach, yeah, uh, served brilliantly well. Why couldn't he do that in the Australian Open? That's why I asked. But um, he come back with a win and. Uh, all good for Taylor for the season, you know, for the hot American hardcourt season coming up. Obviously, he's got to defend his title at Indian Wells, where he won last yeah. year, beating Rafa in the final. So, all looking good for for Taylor, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, he's playing great tennis, and um, I think that'll be interesting to see. I, I'm excited just to watch in Indian Wells um, because that's a that's a ton of pressure uh, when you're coming back with those kind of points to defend. He's now been in the top 10 for a little while. And when you've been in the top 10, you want to stay there. And uh, dropping all those points at Indian Wells could potentially drop him out. But getting that little bit of padding by winning uh, Delray Beach is going to help him uh, feel a little more secure. But still going in there is a lot of pressure. And he's he's a pretty cerebral guy. He thinks about um, thinks about the rankings, thinks about the stats, thinks about what he's doing, thinks about strategies. Um, so going in there, he's going to know all the ramifications of how he does in Indian Wells. And I wonder if that's going to be a good or a bad thing. And we'll see when he gets there. But um, I have a feeling he's going to be under quite a bit of pressure in Indian Wells um, this year. So um, we'll see. But in terms of the game, the game's there. Um, so it's just a matter of him putting it together and maybe getting Indian Wells kind of behind him um, because that's going to be his first huge test of a defense uh, of, a, of a huge title like that. So um, once he gets that behind him, I think the game's there and maybe look for him to do really well in Miami once he's got kind of Indian Wells behind him. Yeah, uh, two big tournaments coming up uh, in, on home soil for Taylor Fritz and when the America, the ATB Tour travels back to America in just a few weeks now for two massive, massive tournaments. Um, just going on to this week, there's three tournaments across the ATB Tour, one in Qatar and Doha, currently playing. Andy Murray's currently playing. It looks like he's going to go one set all against Alexander Sverev, who's returning from injury. Rio, obviously, Alcaraz is a heavy favourite. And Marseille, your man, Yannick Sinner, uh, <laughs> he must be absolutely exhausted. He, the amount of tennis yeah. he's playing, he must be absolutely exhausted. I, I would think so. I mean, I still like, I mean, I still like his chance of doing well there, but I, I also um, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, fatigue, fatigue maybe set in and, and need to take a week off because, you know, they all have big, everyone's got big events coming up, Indian Wells and Miami, and he's the type of player that um, is not only getting ready for those, but getting ready for those with the possibility of being able to win one or, or both of those. So mm-hmm. um, when you're in that kind of category, you want to make sure you come in really fresh. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this week does, didn't go as well. And really with him having an eye on um, on those big events coming up. We here on Game Bet Match on Sunday night, we tipped Benjamin Bonzi to win mm-hmm. uh, in Marseille through to the quarterfinals. He's from Marseille. He's actually from Marseille. He's a Marseille fan and he hasn't dropped his serve yet. In the whole of tournament, he played Cressy today, beat Cressy in three sets and didn't drop his serve. Uh, if they, someone's motivated, Benjamin Bonzi is definitely the motivation. I don't know if you've looked at the draws or anything, anything you quite like on the matches on, uh, or on anything you've seen on the outrights. Any, any idea of who you think might be uh, the tournament winner this week? Um, I think these are tough just because they're, uh, I like that, that call with Bonzi. I think they're, and then Alcaraz um, and Rio, but um, I think Cam Nori um, also, you know, he's a, he's a two seed down there in Rio. And I think he's pretty motivated. And if Alcaraz does have a little bit of a hiccup, 
Um, I think Cam Norrie would have a chance, uh, would have a chance there. Um, I know it was pretty convincing in his first round win, and I don't think fitness comes into to play with him at all. He, the guy is as fit as they come, and um, I know he's he's motivated. He trained a lot in in South America, so I know he's motivated to do well down there as well. So um, I think he's he's a possibility. Um, yeah, I think he's he's got a shot. I mean, just to, sorry, we're going to talk about Cam Norrie. Obviously, I, I'm I'm over here in England and in London, and Cam Norrie's obviously. Our number one tennis player is consistently in the top ten or around the top ten in the world. I reckon if he walked down Oxford Street in London, no one would know. Nobody would know who he was. And it's amazing if Andy Murray walked down there, or Tim Hemmer walked down, or Greg Rosetsky walked down. Everyone would know who he was. But I think Cam Norrie just under that radar. Like, is, is. That a good, is that a good thing? When you when you when you you're number one when you were number one tennis player in America and you know you're you're traveling. Did you like it that people recognized you, or did you think to yourself, you know, oh, I'd rather I'd rather go on the radar here? I think it really depends on the personality, and it seems to fit Cam Nori's personality. I think right. um, you know you look at big personalities. Take Francis Tiafo. I think if he was able to walk down the street un, unnoticed at the U.S. Open, he wouldn't like it very much. Yeah, um, I wouldn't like but, it. I wouldn't yeah, like exactly. it. And um, but there were definitely times when I was recognized uh, a ton, like at the U.S. Open, and I couldn't go out. I wanted to go out and watch a friend play, and it wasn't possible. Um, when you're top ten in the world and you're at your home slam, you can't go out to to court sixteen and watch a buddy play um but i remember thinking I, I watched yuri novak one one year who was at that time maybe four or five in the world come in uh to come into the locker room after winning in straight sets take a quick shower um put on some golf shorts and a collared shirt and walk out and watch his doubles partner play and not have to do a press conference not have to worry about anything and not get noticed at all and for his personality it couldn't have been better he was as happy to just take care of business, move on, go watch a buddy, go have a nice dinner and not even think about it. So for Cam Norrie, I think, um, I think it suits him. I don't think he worries. I mean, he rides his bike to, to Wimbledon on yeah, off day. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's, he's the type that just wants to put his head down and put in the work. And that's what he gets his joy out of, not out of being on a magazine cover or, or anything like that. So for, for me, I think it fits his personality. And I think it's pretty funny because you're right. I mean, Andy Murray and Tim Henman would have, would have no yeah. chance of being so, unnoticed anywhere they go in, in Britain. And he, and he, and he matched him. Hemmer's ability at Wimbledon. Tim Hemmer got to the semifinals of Wimbledon. Ken Norrie got to the semifinals of Wimbledon. But yeah. it's, uh, it's staggering that no one, no one knows him. It reminds me of the famous story. If you, if you, um, if you, we're running out of time here, but if you, if you, if you, you've probably seen it, James, but if you haven't seen it, anyone who's watching this, Google the story about uh, Roger Federer, he's not recognized going into Wimbledon. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. So if you haven't got a chance, Google Roger Federer. I think he's on a South African chat show and he tells a story about going to Wimbledon. He's in London. He wants to pop in. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. I won't go into detail, but have a look at it if you haven't seen it. Uh, finally, let's go on to the biggest. This is the biggest tournament of the week for me. It's the, it's the women's tournament in Dubai. I'm in Dubai next yeah. week for the uh, for the men's tournament. This women's tournament is like, it's like a, it's like a major it's stuff to players yeah. there at everyone but there's a big game tomorrow for american betters it's uh, madison keys up against Corey goff both of them have similar kind of records headed into this event in 2023 keys is 10 and 2 goff is 11 and 2 goff is the marginal favorite minus 122 keys is plus 120 the totals look quite low at 21 and a half it's an early start which means the court's a little bit faster uh, the head-to-heads 1-1. One, one. Uh, Keys won their first meeting in three sets, but Goff obviously won in the US Open in 2022. Interesting for betting for the American perspective. I think the handle with Bet Rivers is going to be very strong in this game tomorrow. Um, how do you see this one going? 
You know, Madison Keys has been pretty dominant. Uh, just uh, really blew Vika Azarenka off the court um, yesterday. And I look for her to to be aggressive. And it's going to come down to Coco's forehand, I think, because Madison's going to do everything she can to attack that. I think she's got a great game to do that. Uh, Goff, a great mover. And I think that the good movers um, have given Madison Keys trouble. Um, ones that can retrieve a lot of balls and make her hit that extra shot, which Coco Goff can do. Um, but then on the flip side, Madison hits big enough to give Goff trouble on that forehand. So I think um, if I were looking, I would take the the plus 120 with, uh, with Madison and maybe the over because I think um she can she can i think she can win this match but i also think it you know coco golf fights hard and so i think it can be a it can be a battle too you not only did she beat azarenka she was brilliant as well against uh caroline garcia who's had a fantastic yeah. year and yeah. she looks really good i think conditions are, qu- are quite quick especially in the early case it gets slower as the evening goes on because the temperature drops quite rapidly from the daytime yeah. to the evening over yeah. in the uh, the middle east so uh I think if it's an early start, I'm sure I saw earlier it was an early start, but the order of play might not be able to check the the times on the Bet Rivers website. But if it's an early start, I think Keys has a chance here, plus 120. The slower in the evening, I think that obviously favours Goff. Um, Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, James. This has been the the Bet Rivers. If you want to follow us, there's three ways to do so. Uh, The first way is you can download us on Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on your preferred podcast provider. The second way is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is the Bet Rivers Network, and that gives you a ring and and an alert every time any new content drops. And the third way is to follow us on our Twitter handle, which is at Because We Win. That is the Twitter handle shared by all the fabulous handicappers we have here covering all the different sports we cover on the bet rivers network uh james thank you very much as always for joining you i will probably be with you next week but i'll be traveling to dubai i'm at the tennis next week so it might be later than usual but uh we'll we'll speak in the week and uh thank you everyone for watching and thank you everyone for uh all your tweets and all your messages if you have any questions you want to ask myself or james please feel free to do so on our twitter page and we will ask any relevant questions we have next week as well take care have a great week james have a great week everybody else and all the very best thanks for listening to betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network